Rob and I were joking last week or two weeks ago, whenever we announced, you know, I said, we've done a lot of pretty transformational, high-profile deals over the course of Rain. I've had more inbounds about the PLL than any other project I've, I've been a part of, which is mind-blowing to me because I know there was always a lot of lacrosse players spread around Wall Street, but this was not, you know, just outreach from people that play lacrosse. It was people saying, this is so exciting. Um, you know, I think that's a testament to, to you and Mike and, and frankly, your your energy around this. Um, it's been in, insane to watch you guys accomplish so much in, in so little time. But, um, you know, I think that's, we're onto something here. Hey, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Suiting Up Podcast. This is a special edition of Creating the PLL, and it's the last one in this series. I'm Paul Rabel, a co-founder and chief strategy officer of the Premier Lacrosse League. And over the last five weeks, post-launch, we've had a variety of guest interviews and recaps, plus updates on the progress of the business. It's been unique to this show. And on today's episode, I get to sit down with our lead investor, the Rain Group. And among reminiscing around our launch... We talk about corporate strategy, financing, and the future of sport. I think you'll see why having a strategic lead investor is what we like to call mission critical to a company's success. And it's rare in business that something can come together almost in a way of instant chemistry. Well, at least for one of our board members, our relationship has burgeoned pretty quickly and recently, and that's with former Yale lacrosse player and 10-year reign executive Colin Neville. For the other guests, well, We've known each other for 10 years, but in different spheres of sport and influence. His name is Rob Petraforte. Missing in the group conversation is Blair Ford. Blair is one of the smartest and most empathic VCs I've ever been around. Shout out, Blair. We'll get him on the show another time. But for Colin and Rob, today's guests from the Rain Group, our lead investor, let's pick up right where Mike and I were reintroduced to Rob and Colin. So, so the funny part about that whole thing is that it's actually this podcast that's partially responsible for us being here. I mean, we, Max Levine, who you played at Hopkins with and is a good friend of mine from Hopkins and later business school, we were having breakfast talking about the episode with Dave Petromala and how, mu- how much both of us love that. Yeah. Um, and Max said, listen, you sh- have you talked to Paul in a while? I said, no. He said, you should probably reconnect. And so I shot you an email basically like, hey, love the pod. You know, we're doing a bunch of work with How Stuff Works and we work with WME. Is there, you know, if there's anything we could do to help out, let us know. We'd love to work together. Yeah. And you responded a few days later and said, if you think that's big, like I've got something much bigger that we're working on that we'd like to talk to you about. So yeah. here we are. Yeah. And and I didn't know at the time that you guys had experience in audio as you had just invested in how stuff works. Yeah. And then when I went to the first uh, Rain LP dinner, I got to listen to a podcast live. Uh, but curious, were you, were you listening and originally thinking around audio specifically? So I think at Rain we just try to be helpful to founders in, in whatever capacity we can be. And so there was no real specific agenda. It was more like, look, if there are relationships that we can help, you know, that are helpful to you, um, or if there's anything that we can do through, you know, some of our portfolio companies, let us know. Yeah, I just say we love content creators, right? And you've done an incredible job of creating content. And part of the thesis of founding Rain is how do we support content owners, you know, creators of differentiated IP. And you seem to be on on the right track. Yeah. And Colin, you played lacrosse at Yale. And so you were familiar with the product. And when we first sat down, uh, it, you know, it wasn't a conversation like this is what lacrosse is or this is how lacrosse participation has grown. You were very familiar with the surrounding bodies from youth, high school, college, even international 
and the stagnated growth and in some cases declined uh, attendance numbers and so on and strategies uh, of current professional lacrosse. So I think from your perspective, you were like, hey, we see all this opportunity. We, we haven't been able to find anything that could potentially solve for it. Um, and we connected that first day. I remember walking in with Mike uh, and we sat across uh, from the two of you and a few other of your associates in the room. What were your uh, thoughts leading into that meeting? Like what was your realistic look? Short answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I remember when Rob, you know, first approached me and he said, you know this guy, Paul Rabel? And I'm like, Paul Rabel, of course I know who Paul Rabel is. I think you were two years behind me, maybe, at Hopkins. I was uh, 06 from Yale. Uh, so full disclaimer, not part of the uh, Yale success of, of recent recent years. Uh, full disclaimer there. Um, uh, and he said, well, he's coming in, he's got an idea, wants to talk to us. And, you know, part of our thesis at Rain is, uh, you know, live sports is the most powerful content in the world. Uh, we've been fortunate and and very lucky to work with some of the some of the biggest leagues worldwide, but also some of the emerging leagues worldwide. Um, so when Rob gave me some of the gist, you know, it was sort of right up our wheelhouse. And the lacrosse thing was a obviously a personal connection that um, you know made sense for us to, to check out. And we had looked at a bunch of lacrosse businesses over the years, um, and just weren't able to find something we were excited enough, albeit. Uh, despite all the trends, which I know you've covered at length and all the press around the PLL, really sort of up and to the right and, you know, figuring out how to crack the code. And when I think about, you know, the PLL in general, I was thinking back to, as a kid growing up on Long Island, you know, I started playing lacrosse when I was five, always a better lacrosse player than athlete. Uh, so maybe the opposite of you, uh, although you've gotten to be a pretty good lacrosse player um, as well. Uh you know, sort of the pinnacle was playing, uh, if you're lucky enough, that final four weekend. And then, you know, for me, I didn't really think that much about lacrosse after I left Yale. Um, obviously followed the team and I watched watched on the weekends. But sort of the, the pro game wasn't really thought of as, with the exception of the superstars, like really a viable thing to do. It was sort of a fun thing to do after yeah. you graduated for a few years. I had a couple of friends that did that. But, you know, thinking about this opportunity – you're now creating a platform where, you know, hopefully many years down the road, people don't think that the Final Four is, is the pinnacle. There, there's another sort of leg of the stool. This is a, a, a company that knows media and specifically the intersection of sports and entertainment and understands uh, where we were placing our bet. And, and knowing that just how the NBA is placing their bet on media and uh, that, that this wasn't something that felt far-fetched. In fact, it was, it was a relationship that if we could anchor with you guys, we could drive so much value to the creation of our business. So when you, think, when you guys think about your experience specifically at Rain and how Joe Ravitch often talks about media in sports – and new media specifically, where do you believe uh, the, you know the, the biggest uh, areas of attention are are to be earned, maybe yet not leveraged from other leagues that we can tap into with the PLL? Uh, you know, I've I've been fortunate when I when I first came to Rain, you know, close to ten years ago. One of the first projects I was uh, I was I was staffed on is working with the UFC. Right, and at the time, it's hard to believe then, but in 2010, you know, it was still viewed as an emerging sport. Um, MMA was popular in a, in a lot of a lot of areas, but there still were a lot of detractors. 
um, and certainly didn't have the groundswell of support at the at the youth levels that um, we have here today. But you know, over the course of eight, eight or so years, culminating ultimately with us helping them uh, sell sell the business um, north of four billion dollars, you know, I got we got to see firsthand the power of um, you know a league where you control your content, um, where you own. You you own the content. You can slice and dice rights. You can distribute uh, across multiple platforms. You know it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier around our thesis at Rain um, is in a world where distribution is changing so rapidly. Uh, you know, look over the last five years, um, the growth of Netflix, the growth of all the tech platforms, um, the emergence of new buyers of sports media rights. Um, it's something where. We're excited to align ourselves with the arms merchants. You know, frankly, we don't know who's going to win the di- distribution wars. Um, it's a super competitive space, um, but we're happy to um, to provide the content, right, and and have a lot of people bidding on them. So I think when we think about a new league like this, where we're tweaking the format, um, we do have a lot of experience in sort of festival-based models. Um, we owned a music festival business um, called C3 Presents, which was Lollapalooza and uh, Austin City Limits. And, and we saw that destination element, you know, and so if you can layer on a media model on top of that, that makes sense, uh, you know, gets us pretty excited. Um, and where you get, we, we can be flexible here, right? So if fans want to see something different, we don't have to go to 15 individual owners or 32 in the case of the, yeah. the U.S. leagues, get approval, it'll take three or four years. We can make changes, um, you know, sort of uh, as we go. Um, because we want to be responsive to what fans want, but we also need to run a business. I I want to be clear that we are building a media company, but that media company is amplifying our product and best-of-class players on field, and that competition and the performance that we see week week in and week out, that intersection, that last-second shot, that come-from-behind win, those type of moments galvanize a community, but those moments are... Are, are, are shared, and, and that's when we talk about new media and really unique ways to, to, to outperform uh, what former properties in lacrosse have done or even what other leagues are, are, are stuck in through all their layers. The product on field, that experience for the players and the customers, it has to be top-notch, and this business model going tour base allows us to optimize for that experience by picking the best-in-class venues, uh, by making sure that the experience per all the different locker rooms is is synthesized and consistent and the fans have touch points and we're really hitting on all cylinders. It reminds me a lot of, um, and I'm looking at you, Rob, uh, Mike and I walking into that room for the first time, and it was very different from a lot of the other investors that we were pitching and working with because you were working with us ahead of that meeting. And you were giving us some notes saying like, hey, this might make sense to, to touch on this aspect of the business model. And so there was a lot of uh, individual care. Mm-hmm. And uh, while there certainly wasn't a commitment walking into that pitch and like the likelihood of converting was low, uh, we already felt like we had a partner. We date back to 2004, right? So yeah. I've always known you, respected you, been friends for, for a while. You know, the moment I met Mike, we had sort of had an instant connection, yeah. uh, for better or worse. Um, but I remember specifically exchanging emails back and forth with you when you sent the model and you sent the deck and, yep. you know, getting responses from you guys at one o'clock in the morning the night before Thanksgiving, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there was an inherent trust that was built up through that process and, and inherent respect. You know, always, again, sort of admired your work ethic and what you've been able to accomplish. Um, 
but you know, you asked before our meeting, like, what do we look for at Rain in terms of investment? I think it's usually three things, right? It's um, you know, positive macro trends, right? I, I think even before you stepped in, we'd done a deep dive into lacrosse and loved, you know, where it was heading in terms of participation. Um, weren't crazy about the way the professional game was was being handled at the moment. Um, thought it was fast paced. Really thought that they would benefit from potentially being in the Olympics in 2028. Yep. Um, so it, it checked that box. I think the second was, you know, us as Rain having an ability to add value, right? Um, and drive a successful outcome. You know, Colin talked about the relationships, the experience starting, you know, UFC, um, the Yes Network, a bunch of other sports-related assets. Um, we thought we'd, we'd have relationships and, and the expertise in place to help you um, and help drive this thing to what it, it truly could be. Um, and then I think the last thing is the management team, right? And, and you know, Mike often says, as entrepreneurs, you know, we have the benefit of choosing who we get to work with. Yeah. And and as investors, if this goes well, right, like we sort of have the same the same benefit, um, and have been incredibly impressed with with both you and Mike's thoughtfulness, you know, work ethic, um, and frankly, you know, how thoughtful you've been about this whole process from start to finish. So. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can rely on trusted payment partners that process over 25 million payments per day. So when it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your best and most qualified payments partner for today and tomorrow. When we founded Rabel Companies, we opened up a PayPal account. And when my co-founder Mick Davis and I launched Rabel Events, home to the Rabel Tour, Rabel Overnight, Defensive Academy, and Scotty Rogers Goalie Training, we opened the transaction doors for PayPal. Visit paypal.com forward slash growth to set up your business account today. And if you sign up at paypal.com forward slash growth today, it's free. PayPal, because you have to. Something that has always struck, struck me is you know, both on the board here at PLL and talking about the UFC transaction, talking about the investment in, in Vice and Nitro Circus and across audio and how stuff works. So it's DraftKings. It's just... It's like there's there's so much depth. Um, how do you find yourself threading that needle, specifically from like a time management standpoint? Yeah, look, you're always one text away. I just text and boom, <laughs> you get a response, and you just had a kid, another one. I, I did, yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. We said we were going to have a beer. Um, you know, once things finally calm down and the things being launched. Uh, we haven't had it yet. We're yeah, so maybe in 20, water 2022, we'll get together podcast. for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think uh, the the beauty of where we sit and how we've designed Rain um, is that a lot of these trends are intersecting, right? So there's a reason why we've, we've selected the subsectors that we have within TMT. Um, at the end of the day, we want to work with companies, with management teams, that have strong brand, content, some sort of differentiated product at the center and sort of the hub and spoke concept. And you can monetize that brand via all the sort of subsectors I talked about. So yeah. whether it's you know selling content to a broadcaster, having a video game license, having a live event component, those are the home runs. And so if you look at our portfolio, you, know, you mentioned DraftKings. Um, when, when we sort of debated that investment, that in a lot of ways exemplifies our thesis because it has, is at the intersection of 
trends in mobile. It has it's it capitalizes on the sports content. It's gaming, right? It's connected devices, um, and and I think the PLL in a lot of ways is similar because there is obviously the live component, the festival um, model. Um, we're we're going to monetize lots of different ways, um, and so. You know, it's 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 something we look for. Um, you don't always find investments that check all the boxes, but we try to check as many as we can. Yeah, RP, you're you're a baseball guy. We we talked about Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, you play, Sorry about that, guys. You play well. That's all right. You, <laughs> you were a slugger, and uh, <laughs> you were a lot bigger back then. Both of us. <laughs> I don't know why you're part, even asking so we me. had a joint graduation in 2008 because they were going to the, the Final Four yeah. and we were going to the College World Series. Yeah. And I remember my, my brothers looking at me afterwards and saying, "We thought you were big, but you were standing between Steve Pizer and Paul Rabel. It looked like you were standing in a hole." Yeah, so, yeah. So you. Uh, so where I was getting to is is baseball, yep. and and for a long time lacrosse talks about. Uh, fighting for the spring sport we played during the same season at Hopkins Uh, baseball is the national pastime and we often reference that in our conversations around linear media traditional media versus new media and the baseball park in the neighborhood local paper local radio and that's how kind of city-based models work when you think about baseball now um what are some things that if you know if you could maybe change or, or be commissioner like what what do they need to do and just curious whether it's speed up pace of play I'm yeah. sure you think about it all the time especially with exposure now to PLL yeah so with PLL and then I mean IPL right has done a great job in cricket of speeding up the game making it more accessible yeah. to the youth right and I think I actually had this conversation about a week ago with your interim counsel uh, yeah. Rob Senzillo and I think. Speed of play is obviously the number one objective in terms of like if we can make the game faster and we can make it under three hours, people will be able to sit in stadiums, you know, and, and sit through the entire season. I think, frankly, the the best thing that that I've come up with in, in terms of doing that would be instead of having extra innings right where the games go for four or five, six hours, similar to hockey and having a shootout. Right. Let's just have home run derby rules where you get your best guy up. Right. You have whatever it is, three minutes. There's a guy throwing BP, saw the tie. and he saw the tie because the regular season games Amazing. are somewhat inconsequential. I mean, yeah. look, it's come down to a play, a one-game playoff the last two seasons, but yeah. I feel like that'll come out in the wash. Yeah, and, and frankly, the excitement of having people having that sort of environment and, and, and that sort of way to finish a game is a lot more compelling to me than sitting through another four innings. Uh, and, and where we really lean on you too, especially is your understanding of entertainment and millennial trends and Gen Z trends and how Gen Zs can potentially be monetized when they have purchasing power. And like, where is, you know, the, the PSL generation in the NFL going to go? Yeah. And, and so, uh, I like that solving a tie break. I know the NHL tinkered with some rules and they pull the player off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we even kicked around, and we have, we haven't announced our, our kind of our, our our rule strategy or what we're doing. It's certainly going to be ten on ten and your full games and four quarters and shot clocks and all that stuff. But people know that, and we'll save that. We're not gonna we're not gonna release the announcements on the podcast. But what we like about our positions, you can really be abstract in your thinking. We always encourage creativity in the business, and I know you guys do the same thing and are aligned with us, but. If Rugby Sevens, for example, is on one side of the spectrum where they, they're doing seven-minute halves, and we think about Adam Silver, for example, talking about the average NBA diehard watching 55 minutes. So how do they you know, either shorten their game or cut some timeouts or make sure that 55 can get to 60? Talking about baseball and timing. Um, with, with a sport like the NFL, 
that is four hours in length, that has season ticket holders as their source of recurring revenue that are building their businesses off of. And we talk about your guys' you know, forecasting of different generational appetite for sports. Are we approaching a time, even for your traditional team sports, where millennials and Gen Zs are setting the trend and these leagues are going to have to start embracing more entertainment, even if it's going to piss off some of the traditionalists, for a solving a tie break in a major league baseball? Like, is that going to happen? You were kind of shaking your head when Rob was going through a home run derby. Like, that is going to be engaging. That is going to be viral. But is that also the biggest conflict is, like, the traditionalists and willing to make something unique happen for, for a sport like baseball or football? I, I think across sports, and it's not just sports, it's sort of entertainment, right? There's yeah. so much competition for attention now. Um, everything is at your fingertips. You know, we have these computers in our hands that I can watch, you know, content from around the world any point in time. Yep. So I think it's, re- it's not necessarily how do you design something for a millennial audience. It's how do you design something that's compelling, that people – in a world where everyone's busy, time time is scarce. You know how how do you create um, you know the balance between value of what you're watching, um, but also not feel like you're wasting half your day, you know, in front of the TV or or at an event. So, um, you know, I think of it more as there's so, the creation of content has become democratized in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, how how do you create something that stands out from a very crowded um, field of of events and and movies and entertainment and music and content um, and frankly social media right you know people are spending more time just on social media so um, you know that's I think where you guys are going um, with the PLL and a lot of the events uh, around the game and the access to players you know those are things that I think people will get up off their couch and pay for right so in in, in the world that is um, in- increasingly crowded with content and entertainment and options uh, for for culture. Um, you know, what are those things that you get up off the couch and, and go pay for and buy a ticket and then you know buy buy drinks, buy a PLL T-shirt. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the things that uh, I think we're excited about with with you guys. Yeah, I think just circling back to the first question about what struck us in that first meeting and why this was you know what what we thought to be a great investment. I mean. The festival tour-based model to us and, and being able to do things like clinics and grassroots initiatives, right, and, and growing the game from that level, um, from city to city, is something that's never been done before yep. in a team in the team sport, right? And I think we sort of looked at each other and thought, look, it worked for UFC, it's worked for CrossFit, right? There are many examples where it's worked on the individual level. Why can't this work for, for a team-based based mm-hmm. sport? So, um, look, we've got a ways to go. We've got a lot of wood to chop, but I think it's an exciting way to grow the game in a way that's never been done before. We're super excited about the trend. Um, it, it was a, if you look back at when we first invested in DraftKings uh, about four years ago, it was a trend that was emerging. I think everyone generally thought that this day would happen. Uh, and and so I'm not gonna say we underwrote our investment that legislation would change, uh, but it certainly was a, a nice benefit um, and upside potential for us. So very excited about um, you know where the company's going. Uh, it's going to take some time. You know, their, their legislation is getting rolled out across the country. It's now on a state-by-state basis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the reason why it's getting so much attention, I think, is because there's all this pent-up demand. Uh, you know, people were already gambling. They were just doing it offshore or with their with their friend in the corner. Um, and so 
as a trend, it's, it's, it's a huge area for us at Rain in terms of focus. Um, th- there's been a tremendous amount of activity. Investors are flocking to the space, and you're starting to see the leagues um, figuring out, you know, how are they going to monetize um, and, and take advantage of this trend because, um, you know, it's a, it's a big opportunity. I'm not saying anything that is groundbreaking here, but, um, you know, when you think about the next wave of growth for leagues, uh, at least the U.S. leagues, um, media rights is, is one big driver. Um, you know, some people think uh, we're, we're getting to the top of that market. You know, frankly, I think we're not even close because of all the competition. My point earlier about wanting to be aligned with content owners and, uh, and, and sell to a variety of distribution outlets. You know, I think the other big driver people think is, um, is, is the legalization of sports gambling. So uh, in a lot of ways... DraftKings um, has has been a, a very fun, uh, crazy couple of years um, for us at Rain, but you know, a lot lot like you guys, driven by an incredibly passionate, energetic um, founding team, uh, which is what we look for. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not operating these businesses. You guys are doing all the hard work, um, and so you know we got to find people that are excited and passionate and driven and good operators and can execute you know at the end of the day an idea is an idea it's it's can you actually get it done yeah of all of the the founders that you've worked with uh that continue to plug away and you've worked with multiple founders multiple times what are a lot of the the soft skills or what are some of the soft skills that you see that uh that at least help you predict uh the future or the collaboration that you have as an investor with the founder I think, look, there's there's a lot of different things, and it depends on um, the company, the, the business model. Um, but ultimately, you know, as an investor, the founders or the CEO have to really be bought into the vision. I mean, that goes without saying. Um, so I think, number one, you have to check that box. Um, number two, sort of the talent around the founding team, right? If you're If you're able to attract quality executives, um, regardless of the stage of the business, that's usually a pretty good sign um, that, you know, because look, at the end of the day, companies are people. And if you, yeah. you can build a strong team um, around around a founder or CEO, you're at least setting yourself up with better odds um, to, to win. Um, you know, I think being able to form relationships and, 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 and work with partners, depending on the business, is also critical. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it's it's setting setting tone for the company culture, uh, and and being really passionate and energetic. I think if, if if the founder's not passionate or energetic about the company, you know, you probably shouldn't be investing. Yeah, yeah. You guys have both uh, been a part of culture here at Rain and your respective locker rooms in lacrosse and baseball. When you think about intentional culture or culture building, especially from scratch, yep. as you've invested in early stage companies and growth companies, where do you see? Uh, what what are some maybe some case studies or tactics that you've seen some founders deploy around building culture, or if you see it uh, kind of permeating off of its executive team? I think it starts at the top, right? And I think um, starts with a shared set of values, right? Recruiting people who are have can culturally contribute to that, but also sort of agree with the way the direction is going with, with those values. Um, I mean, Joe and Jeff and Colin, you could probably speak to this better than I can, from day one, have always said that what differentiates Rain from all the other banks is going to be our culture, right? It's always been a people-focused business. We want people who love the areas, uh, you know, our areas of focus, who get along well with others and who who help drive, push the company in in the same collective direction. 
Um, and so, look, it's been, what, 10 years? Um, you know, so far, so good. But I think it's those, those shared values, right, recruiting people who all sort of think in a like-minded way. Rob says it's been 10 years, but I, I still think we approach every day like we're a startup, right? I think you need to be hungry always, um, you know, approach every day like it's the first, yeah. you know, what have you done for me lately kind of attitude. Um, because the minute you're, you're resting on last year's success, someone else is chomping at your heels. And so, um, you know, sort of that relentless forward thinking, what's next? How do we improve? How do we get better attitude? Uh, while you guys are our lead investors, you're also entrepreneurs in your own right are behaving as such. You're not like, as, as I had mentioned in the beginning, the, the actual versus what many people think is the relationship between investors and founders is it feels very much that like you're building this thing and you are tactically with us and think that's really unique. Yeah, look, I think when it comes to investors, there's lots of really smart money around the world right now um, looking to deploy it. Um, part, as Rob said earlier, we have to be able to drive value for our investments. Otherwise, you know, you, you can yeah. find a lot of other money out there that um, is probably not as expensive as us. Um, so uh, it, this is exactly what, why we set up the firm, is to roll up your sleeves. We only make you know, it's 10 or so investments per fund. I think that's, um, that's, that's unique, but that's because we want to be able to dedicate significant amount of time and resources to helping you guys. At the end of the day, as I said, you're running the business. Our goal is to how, do, how do we accelerate it? really fast, whether through our network, our relationships, you know, what we're seeing in the market, experience, um, opening doors, um, you know, helping you with M&A or, or yeah. raising money or whatever. So um, this is exactly what we want to be doing. So it, it, this is fun for us. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a, we looked at each other earlier this week. It's been a really fast year yeah. of working together and, uh, and we've only just launched yeah. Um, suspect we'll we'll sit down and a year from now we talk about as, as as much as we've accomplished internally and the folks that we're continuing to onboard and the movement we're having with the players and the industry and then outside of the industry in sports whether I'm getting messages from WNBA players or my peers in the NFL or baseball even is like the support around and Novak Djokovic just said in the news earlier today like player player first, being player centric, understanding that uh, the, the, the highest valued asset is, is those women and men on the field performing. And uh, beyond just lacrosse, we feel like what we're solving for and what we're doing now is exemplary for other sports. Rob and I were joking last week or two weeks ago, whenever we announced, you know, I said, we've done a lot of pretty transformational high profile deals over the course of rain. I've had more inbounds about the PLL than any other project I've, I've been a part of, which is mind-blowing to me because I know there was always a lot of lacrosse players spread around Wall Street, but this was not, you know, just outreach from people that play lacrosse. It was people saying, this is so exciting. Um, you know, I think that's a testament to, to you and Mike and, and frankly, your, your energy around this. Um, it's been in, insane to watch you guys accomplish so much in, in so little time, but... Um, you know, I think that's we're onto something here. To Rob's point, there's a lot to do, and we're gonna need to buckle down and keep our head down and and focus on execution over over the next you know six months and and frankly, hopefully yeah. ten years after. But um, it's it's been a, it's been a great start. But you know, let's as I said, startup mentality. You know what's amazing is that 
uh, from Bloomberg's announcement that was number one on the terminal inside the first five hours of 24-hour terminal to entrepreneurs post to the virality around Sports Illustrated today and everything in between. I was at a speaking engagement for entrepreneur before I came over here and they told me that it was the number one story for the entire week when they released it and it was just digital. And then they did a video to support that was short that was number one on their video channel. So between Bloomberg, entrepreneurs feedback, the players review as well I didn't mention and Sports Illustrated. What that tells us is like it's let me be really clear. It's not just us. It's our audience responding. And there's a level of scarcity right now because this is the only time in a while that we can remember lacrosse has gotten this coverage, especially in this month, in November, in the off season, that this is, a, this is an audience that's starved for it. And that's what we were hoping for is that like we, we feel like they're out there and we're going to find out yeah. and they're out there. I, I mean, look, I, I was with uh... – with Joe Ravage doing some NBA recruiting the day that that was announced. And we were in the session for an hour and a half and both of us came out to 150 plus emails and text messages about lacrosse. And Joe has not traditionally been a huge lacrosse fan. He's more yeah. of a baseball guy, <laughs> but he looks at me and goes, I just got 150 emails about lacrosse, right? right? Forwards th that link to all the partners, right? So I think people around here and, and, and obviously in all of our networks are, are really excited about this. So yeah. it's encouraging to see. Enough talking about ourselves. We got to yeah. get back to work. Let's go. Thanks, guys. Let's go do it. If you enjoyed this episode of Suiting Up, please be sure to let me know. You can either shoot me or the PLL a note over Twitter. I'm at Paul Rabel. And the Premier Lacrosse League is at Premier Lacrosse. You can also be the first to listen to next week's episode as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one -on -one conversation with PLL's investor and advisor, Mike Levine, or my co-founder and CEO of PLL, Mike Rabel, who's also my brother, or last week's special podcast that broke news of the PLL's charitable initiative called PLL Assists, and that was with Tyler Steinhardt. Those and many more are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, when you find Student Up Podcast, hit subscribe and give us a rating and review. All three of those go a very long way. You can check out this episode's show notes at studentuppodcast.com and shout out to today's show sponsor, PayPal. Now, moving forward, I'll be checking in with you on PLL updates, sometimes infrequently, but hopefully consistently. But also plan to have a healthy mix of new guests on the show in sports, entrepreneurship, and entertainment. And until next time, I look forward to talking to you all very soon.